1: That's my girlfriend says. Cut that out. Sorry,
2: Dad. I'm
1: sorry. I Ignore that bit, Dad. I don't know. Dad. 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 Dad It is Sunday, which means it's time for the front free Q and A podcast with me, Adam Boltwood, the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Happy birthday
3: to us!
1: That was
2: beautiful. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Dave, happy birthday to us! Exactly, Mundo. You know, I can't really think of anything um, to say, but Lawrence has tipped it off there. That is it. Um, Happy birthday! Come on, the lads. One year. TikTok the boxes.
1: Old. You may be wondering wow. why I'm you on it a Sunday instead of a Saturday. Yeah. I'd love to tell you it's because April the 24th is actually our birthday, so we have made it. Is. it. Uh, it's definitely but not it because we recorded an entire podcast yesterday. There was a bit of a mix up and no one
3: clicked record. It's definitely not what because of that. No, wait. So what happened um, was Adam and I were sitting there waiting for Dave, and we were. Uh, Skype does that thing where, you know, we love Skype working every day, but uh, uh, Skype did that thing where it went <laughs> r- 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 and all I heard was. It did. Uh, could have left my laptop at work and so I was like oh. and, and it's, you know when you know on Skype when it sort of drops and it sort of goes uh, and, and you've got, you've either got the one route where you go oh wait a minute mate say that again or you go and politely just go yeah I that's exactly what it is in yeah, hindsight yeah. I was on, like Adam. that's
1: exactly what he was doing yeah so yes I I I uh, didn't have my laptop with me I was on my phone so I said oh Lawrence can you record this Lawrence like, said oh, okay and then as in, it was just like, you definitely didn't hear what and I said. We both walked away from the podcast. Cool.
3: Guy. I walked away going, that's going to be brilliant. I can't wait for Adam to edit that one down. <laughs> and then, I was thinking you know, the was same thing. <laughs> Through <laughs> comes the text. "Los, when's this podcast going up? You know, come on, it's, it's a birthday. It's a big birthday one. And I'm sitting there like, oh, <laughs> oh Adam, you okay. are a funny one. <laughs> But at least we can review everything So we lost the bit where we predicted That Everton would win uh, Liverpool would uh, lose uh, And it would be uh, Watford-Everton FA Cup final
1: Exactly, no one needs to know any of that stuff Um, So now we get to do the the Post-match analysis of yet another Eventful weekend, of course as Lawrence Points out there, it is the one Year birthday of the Front free. a momentous occasion so thank you very Much for tuning in for it before, well, what I should say, we did do a little poll last week on Twitter. We said, you know, what should we do to celebrate the one year anniversary of the podcast? Uh, we asked you guys whether there should be a meetup, a few beers, maybe a little kickabout. And then the third option was all of the above. End of the season, we will try and do a little meetup slash kickabout slash banter field the evening. If you want to come down to London, and have a good time with us, I think that would be a great night. I'm looking forward to it. maybe
3: we crowdfund it and we do it somewhere like, I don't know, fucking Dubai. (laughs)
1: Yes, if you want to give us all your money, uh, we'll meet you all out in Dubai. Actually, us three will just go ourselves. We'll have a great time.
3: Yeah, we'll film it all and you'll feel like you're there. Yeah. I mean, if Uh, you think about it, Adam, for every one podcast you listen to, if you just gave us a pound for each one, I mean... Yeah. You know? We'd be... We'd literally have about five
1: pounds... Exactly. <laughs> Before we get into all this post-match analysis, then from another great weekend, let's just do a quick comment of the week. As always, there's only one winner this week. Yeah. It has to be GGTDDVBGDD on iTunes who left us a great review. The title was "Move aside, MSN. Back off, BBC. It's all about the lad." Or on day Davey cover. Um, he said, "Arguably the most alluring front three since that triple-breasted woman in Total Recall." <laughs> it's a great line. It's a really good line. It is a great line. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, we're just free tits. I think it perfectly <laughs> sums it. Now, now it that, one played, sums that one Played it.
3: out very differently on the original podcast. But I was waiting not, for you to say it. <laughs> there's not as much banter on this one, and I'm. You know, when you've originally, you know, when you've done a rehearsal, and you go, "That went really well." I feel like I'm going to miss yeah, every punchline. No, I you're trying
1: to recapture the magic. Yeah, you're trying to recapture it. It's just not the same. Anyway. You win comment of the week <laughs> this week. And I believe, Dave, comment of the week this week earned themselves a copy of FIFA 16 on a PS4.
2: Yeah, they did. So, you know, so, get into the DMs and we'll send it to them. Wow. Slide into Dave's DMs. Um, no, no,
3: slide into the front three's DMs because Dave keeps turning oh, yeah. his on and off. Um, yeah, just go in the front three's Right, DMs. okay. Yeah. Slide into the front FIFA
1: DMs. Team. We also need the winner of the, the Football Manager 2016 Football Manager 2016 as well Let's get into the football guys Before we get into the questions as well Dave, Manchester United Are through to the FA Cup bloody final
2: and I'll tell you what, bloody Adam Bloody bolward It was absolutely <laughs> incredible wow. What a goal That won the game i mental for about six minutes um, It was brilliant so good. I got my, my love for the FA Cup has returned after going to go the court final going to the semi final. Um, unfortunately, I can't go to the final because I'm busy that weekend. But it's been a great journey so far. And you know, the game was quality. It was a game of two halves. Everton played really yeah. well in the second half. United did. Uh, United did control the game in the first half. Rooney was instrumental, dictating the play. Um, Fellaini was getting into the right areas. Carrick was playing very well. But it was a different story. As soon as Dalotio came on, Everton started mm-hmm. looking looked a lot better on the counter attack. There was a lot more pace in that attack. Barkley was getting into the game. Obviously, they won that penalty The David De Gea made a fantastic save too. Um And then, obviously, got the got the equaliser of Anthony Martial. What a man. What an absolute monster of a footballer. Do you,
1: do, you, do you think on the balance of play Manchester United deserved it, though? Because, as you said there, Everton were really pushing for that goal in the second half. Obviously, De Gea saved the penalty from Lukaku. But it sort of felt like Everton had the momentum and United almost sort of nicked it almost at the end.
2: Um, I think in the United were were more dominant in the first half. I'd say Everton were awful in the first half. There were two there were two long balls yeah. that caused United a bit of issue. One of them, Fusu Mensah made the wrong decision. Uh, Rooney cleared off the line. The second one was a bit of a miscommunication between Smalling and De Gea. Something that you don't appreciate on the TV. Things like that because I think the angle would have been um, I think the angle doesn't cover what David De Gea is doing and what David De Gea did there is he went for the ball and then pulled back, but obviously he made a cracking save to make up for that. Um, but then in the in the second half obviously Everton got the momentum they started putting some really good play together but I think United from around probably just after the goal it sort of woke United up again they were so poor mm. up until like 75 minutes but then after that they dominated again You know, created a, a number of big chances and then obviously Martial playing that one too with Jess Lingard getting it into Anderera's feet and then picking it back up and, and just what a finish what a finish that won the game and obviously showed a lot of passion a lot of determination a lot of desire to put the ball in the back of the net
3: and the very, very roonies. It was very sweet that you and your uh little mates could do a little Snapchat story for us as well, Dave.
1: Did enjoy that Snapchat story, i got to say, Dave. It what, was fantastic. I
3: think it's gonna be two one. What do you think it's gonna be? I think two one.
1: Bang Oof. on. <laughs> <We're> bang on. <laughs> nailed it, Dave. Absolutely nailed it. Dave, what did you think of um, Wayne Rooney's role? Because some people describe it as like a quarterback role for Manchester United. Some people saying that's where Hodgson should maybe look to play him at Euros. <laughs> he quarterback? Do they watch the, a quarterback? at
2: a defensive midfielder wasn't what, what Wayne Rooney was was sitting in front of Michael Carrick, partnering Marouane Flayton, he playing as a two inner, um, you know, ahead of the of Michael Carrick. A quarterback is a, is a player that will sit in the position between the midfield and the defence. Some some people, especially the Daily Mail, I think that article came out of. Fucking do your research, mate. A quarterback isn't... That's not what a quarterback is. <laughs> a, quarterback really was dictating in, a quarterback the play. sits
3: in the pocket, mate. That's, exactly. Rooney really was not in the pocket.
2: No, that, it's simple shit. Like, what the fuck are you writing that for? For me, it was more like a, a Chavi role, in a way, where he's playing higher up the pitch, not quite the attacking central midfielder as a of Iniesta, sort of Maron Flaney played the Iniesta role, let's say, just getting very different Iniesta role, but a similar trying to get into the box, trying to create things. Um but really was just sitting into sort of just sitting in central midfield spraying the passes wide. He looked really really good on the ball, the ball over for Rashford that created that big chance. No, oh, sorry, it was Jess, Jess Lingard again. It was a brilliant ball over the top and uh, Lingard unfortunately couldn't put, put the chance away, but he was really good. He was really composed on the ball. Um you know those shot feints outside the area he did a few times. It was was unlucky not to get a goal anyway. It was a really, really good performance from Rui.
1: And what about the other side of it, Lawrence, then? Martinez, obviously a disappointing result, but as we're sort of saying that Everton were impressive in the second half, can they sort of take some pride from that? Or do you think it's the same old story, that the results are what matters, and Martinez just can't seem to to organise his team defensively, and maybe it is time for him to go, Goodson.
3: I don't, I, I don't actually agree that it's time for Martinez to go unless they've got another better option. I think, uh, you know, we spoke about this on the podcast before and about the takeover, those mm-hmm. sort of things, that will attract a manager who can spend big and can put a squad together. M- Martinez clearly has something of a nucleus of a good team there. Um, and, I, I you know, I don't think it's beyond training to get these guys together. I also wonder if there's a certain element within the dressing room which is... Uh, taking away from what he's trying to do and if he can remove that element and kind of move them on um, then that's something they can overcome I think that's something that a lot of clubs don't weather the storm with essentially Um, you know we Mm -hmm. saw it with uh, someone like AVB at Chelsea who is trying to move certain players on who realised shit you know if if he gets his way then I'm not going to be here for much longer so Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think it's sort of I think they're sort of conflicted in that sense. Uh, in terms of play, I think we remember what he did earlier in the season, and I think if he can get that on a more consistent basis, which has not been something that we've seen in the past, but isn't, doesn't mean it's impossible, then I think Everton and Everton fans would be quite happy with that. Um, but Liverpool's a bit mm. of a cauldron of a place to be when you are not uh, pleasing the fans, be that as a Liverpool manager or an Everton manager.
1: So Manchester United now through to the final, as we mentioned. There they're going to be facing
3: Palace.
1: Lawrence, uh, Super of course, Palace, Palace. two one to, to yeah today against Watford. Goals from Blasi and Wickham, uh, and Deeney striking for Watford. Fantastic for Alan Pardew, who of course took over 15 months ago when they're in the in the relegations zone. Yeah. Now through to an FA Cup final. It's good for the fans after what has been kind of a disappointing second half of the season as well.
3: Uh, yeah well i mean they didn't i think 2016 has uh been a very disappointing year for them you know I mean, not many points mm. up to that point um this is obviously the point at which alan pardew says look i'm a cup manager let me have the england job <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, he, he's basically uh he's very good at igniting egos getting players to do things at the right time uh just enough to keep a team up um You know, I mean, if there's questions over Martinez, I think there should be questions over Pardue as well.
1: Mm, But this, of course, this this success today is going to sort of alleviate any... Concerns that you'd expect over his job security I against mean, yeah, I, 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 I,
3: I don't think it should. I mean, you know, had um, had Martinez made it to the final, it wouldn't have alleviated any wider questions there. You know, pre match yesterday, we were talking about form going out the window, those sorts of things, and sort of one off results. And I think a lot of other pundits were t- speaking the same. So let's apply that post match and say, okay, Alan Pardew moving forward here needs to uh, spend well galvanize this team in the right way and, and make sure that he fills in the problems that they've had earlier uh, in the season and you know that isn't just down to a you know a thread best squad or whatever it is there's more to it than that you know he can make excuses mm-hmm. and you know you imagine that the fans will give him time because of the figure he is at the club but at the same time there's not an awful lot of goodwill towards Alan Pardy Okay, interesting. I see your point. I think. I did not mean they're not going to the. I mean they're obviously going to the bloody FA Cup final. That's fantastic for Crystal Incredible, Palace. Incredible, yeah. Repeating the obviously whatever United fan is and uh, Crystal Palace fan is quoting as the nineteen ninety final. And Do you know, apparently he was playing. You know, apparently he played uh, the players' video of the semi-final before this one.
1: Yeah. in what what was the aim of that to try and you
3: know maybe motivation in in that they got to the final before um, you know and they've done it again credit
1: it's an interesting one part isn't it Dave because Crystal Palace are 16th now they're 16th not far above the relegation zone at the same time they're only two points off Everton themselves who are in 11th so that that position feels somewhat of an illusion in a way at the same time they've only won one of the last 10 in the Premier League but now getting to that final it is is what these sort of clubs aim for isn't it you know it's difficult sometimes to to qualify for Europe when you've got so many talented teams in the Premier League it's difficult to to know what to aspire to in a season and a cup run and getting to the FA Cup final is something that every fan wants their club to be able to achieve
2: yeah, I think it's one of those Definitely. things where it's it's gone back to the way where the Premier League this season has, has been so crazy. You know, Palace have been absolutely awful in the last mm-hmm. what last around uh, seventeen games. They've picked up one yeah. win in the Premier League at home against Norwich, quite a poor Norwich side. So it's going to be, you know, they they're going to be up there with favourites for relegation next season for me. But obviously, I've predicted a lot of things in my time, and sometimes I've got it <laughs> wrong. But I'd say that I'd say that they they've been very very poor of late, and this cup runs you know completely hidden in the fact that. Palace have been awful Um, but credit Mm. to Pardew for getting them to the final again had another cup run that's probably going to save a manager Um, we've seen that happen time and time again but I feel it will do Um, and if he can get uh, it's going to be difficult to trouble United obviously we played Palace in the league very recently beat them 2-0 so they were quite negated he did rest players though he did rest players for that game in preparation for this match I don't know if he massively rested his whole squad nearly Kabay was in there Back four was probably the same. you know. He rested his goalkeeper. Um, Bellassi was playing. Saha was playing. So, I don't know. I don't think he rested too many players. But no, it's, uh, he's managed the situation great. I think what the issue the Palace have had this season is that Johan Cabai is their top scorer with five goals. Um, obviously, they brought Adebayor in. That he was awful against United. He was absolutely <laughs> dominated by Chris Small. And they've got Shamak Wickham, Dwight Gale and, and Fraser Campbell. And none of those strikers have really taken off. Conor Wickham went through a little bit of a spell of scoring. I think mean, what he got, three goals and like two games or something, but then again he's, he got injured and it's been a big problem since he's moved to Crystal Palace's uh, sorry, move from Ipswich mode before or Sunderland His consistency and and not you know not avoiding injury for a number of times and getting a run of games again it was a very silly move to leave Ipswich at the time he did because he was just in the team, he was scoring goals, and then to move to somewhere like Sunderland from Ipswich, that is a massive change. You know, Ipswich for people that might not know, it's quite like it's quite a small town-ish, in a way. You'd say quite, you know, away from London and it's uh, the seaside type thing. And then moving to Sunderland, that's quite a bustling city, very close to Newcastle. It would be a massive culture shock. And obviously, it's not, it's not the, the move didn't work out. Now he's back in London again. He's, I, I quite like Connor Wickham mm. um, as a player. I want to see him do well, but it's going to be that consistency. I also think
3: it was poor, obviously poor timing for him to go to Sunderland. Um, and you know, if you have a manager that believes in you at any club, and you're a young player, that's probably a good thing. Uh, timing's everything for Wickham. There's clearly something there that makes him into a good player, um, and it's you know, it's about going to the right level and finding that. And I think he's sort of was skipping around between the wrong levels. Um, you know, he's been sort of intermittent for Palace, and that's not that's not enough, really.
1: What mm, oh, about a little bit of word? Sorry, I was what about a little, about a little word?
3: word? <laughs> Give me what word. What about a
1: little word, Dave? On Watford. Obviously knocking out Arsenal in the quarterfinals a massive achievement. Disappointing to lose to Palace. And There's even been reports that Kike Sanchez-Flores' job is under threat, despite steering Watford to clear of relegation trouble, really, this season. They've only won three games in 2016. So you could see him departing at the end of the season.
2: It'd be a big shame I feel that the, the issue with Watford is that Dean and Agalo were an unknown quantity at the start of the season people didn't know how to play against them both players have hit a little bad run of form obviously Dini did score today and he's been alright of late but Agalo's just been uh, hitting blanks for uh, what months now um, he, had, he was since a late form at the start of the season but he hasn't scored a goal I don't think he, you know, he hasn't scored a goal for a while and it's just one of those things where yeah, you they've know, been worked out in a way. Watford need a little bit more variation in their attack. They play two sort of central midfielders out wide or attacking midfielders out wide, but very central players. You know, get a winger out there potentially. You could change it up a little bit. Or you know, they've got a got to buy in the summer massively because if they continue with their form that they've had at the end of this season, they again they're going to be relegation candidates just because teams have worked them out and they need to need to be more uh, tactically flexible. Obviously, they 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 blow people at the start when they're pressing, with they're harrying, but. People just, you know, started to work them out and the strikers have just been misfiring. So it's going to be interesting for them as well come come the summer, uh, whether they do get rid of Kiki Sandro Flores, which I do feel would be massively unfair for the work that he's done, he's put in together to get this Watford team, you know, so far clear of safety. But we've seen Watford in the last few years have been like that with a number of managers. You know, the lad that, took, the one that got them promoted, got sacked or whatever, didn't he? got moved on and then Fort Forrest came in. So we could see that again, to be quite honest. It's, it, it seems like short-termism
3: for long-termism. I mean, the, the point with that is that if you keep moving players between each club, then you can motivate them because they're coming into a new environment and, you know, you've got that short-term thing. But the, in the long-term, what kind of culture does that build at any club? Um, and you know I imagine the Potsos have got an idea on that there's probably a business idea behind that a psychological idea and it works temporarily because the modern idea of the tourist or the person who's always moving around is something that's quite scintillating and exciting but then when you have the long grind of a season you imagine that when those things trip up it becomes a little more difficult to motivate those players so maybe like Dave's saying and to add to that point it isn't really just him they need to address that in the long term with moving players between clubs
1: Elsewhere this weekend, then Leicester beating Swansea 4-0. Some people expecting them to struggle. What Jamie Vardy being banned? the top scorer, of course, but they proved everyone wrong. Joa uh, scoring two. Mares with one, of course. And Brighton with the other. A comfortable win for them. Stranginelli to eight points now.
3: Incredible. Uh, they beat a team on 40 points. Incredible. Yeah, a team who have
1: zero to play for. They have nothing <laughs> yeah. to play for
3: apart from maybe to impress Brendan Rodgers when he returns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> very, very well said uh, Tottenham of course playing West Brom on Monday night they'll be looking to close that gap once again to five points uh, another significant result today potentially Sunderland Arsenal a nil-nil draw Arsenal fans once again up in arms over this one the lack of quality in the game the lack of effort was what some people perceived uh, on Twitter Olivier Giroud of course Dave having another stinker I think he's gone 13 hours now without scoring. Uh, some people criticizing Wenger's substitutions, the fact that he, he literally will not make a substitution until the 70th minute exactly. It's all sort of becoming a little bit acrimonious now, and the the, the fan base, as we said before, is as it's ever been, I feel. Uh, and more people, the tide seems to be turning to there needs to be a change, in Arsenal, something needs to be shaken up.
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, you look at Giroud. You mentioned him before. He's failed to score in 19 of the last 20 games in all competitions for Arsenal. So there's a big issue there. Um, and it, just, yeah, it was the same one. old, same old. Sunderland and Sam Allardyce set up perfectly to deal with Arsenal, and they couldn't break them down. It was simple as that. Sunderland pressed in the right areas. They dropped back into their shape in the right areas. And there's a brilliant moment where, um, in the I think it was in the first half, the mm-hmm. ballerin goes wide and puts a cross in, and you can hear uh, you can hear Mesut Ozil absolutely scream for fuck's sake. And I just like flip out, and I think that's kind of what's happening with these Arsenal players—is that they're just losing it with each other, which doesn't show. Doesn't not show a, a United not team, yeah. It's it's weird when again Alexis Sanchez was pushed out right. It's, Game up front, Wenger. Stop messing is, about. I
3: mean there's a lot of there's a lot of contradictions that people just don't seem to be able to read. I'll go back again to the idea that we don't know how to read Wenger properly and that we need a better way of reading him, a better way of talking to him, because people do seem to want to talk about accountability in the long term. Uh, you know, I, I think there are certain people who are raising very good points. I think Dan Fazy on Twitter is saying, you know, if you have a, a review in your job, you don't go ten years ago back and go, look what I did ten years ago. You go one year, maybe two years ago. And those things, you can only really revert to the fact that they've had, um, you know, good cup runs and within that uh, even more finishing within the Champions League spots. But this is probably one of the worst games, again, to use as a a yardstick for where he is, because A, he's playing Sam Allardyce, a man who post-match, what was Sam Allardyce's quote post-match? It was something fantastic like uh, let me see if I can find it because it really is a great quote from Big Sam. It go, it's along the lines of um, uh, what's it like to have a goalkeeper uh, doing so well and he based oh here we go. Sam asked uh, how SAFC have taken three clean sheets from four. He said it's my brilliant coaching before that it was crap. My God. Now, <laughs> I mean, you know, I a mean, modest thing, man old know, Big Sam isn't he? He, I mean, he? he could be the next Arsenal manager um, but the <laughs> you know the point with him, the point, and the point of that is it's probably a bad yardstick. There's bigger problems um, at Arsenal. I think Arsenal are very much afraid to pull the trigger on Wenger because they have seen what's gone on with other clubs, and they don't see many other options they believe can take the reins at this point. So it's it's almost better the devil you know a little bit for Arsenal right now. Um, and I know there's frustration. I know that there are problems, um, but yeah, and I know that he's conceded they might not finish in the top four. I, I just want to know How much finishing The
1: top four I think that'll be it For him won't it? Yeah I but, I, I wanna, but the
3: point is they, they do currently Sit in the top four And I understand it But I want to know Fourth what exactly To be precise Yeah but the point is They're still in there <laughs> Adam Within a really Topsy-turvy season Within which I mean, that's the problem, is that when we're talking about, you know, there's sort of a contradiction for everything. You say it's top service season, we say, OK, well, then this Arsenal side should have been equipped at this point to take advantage of that. But then you say, yeah, but mm. then clubs are working out how to play all these sorts of teams. So there's constant contradictions within the Premier League. Um, I, I mean, you know, it's it, ultimately you could level that at most managers in the Premier League. But if you look at even just the average positions that Sunderland players played today against Arsenal, they work them out very easily. And they sat in the positions that they needed to, like Dave was alluding to, literally just on the halfway line, sitting on the attacking players and making it really difficult space, which made their pressing game actually quite straightforward. And that's, mm, I think, you know, it, it, it's fundamentals like that when you're watching and you're sort of going, I mean, I could coach my way out of this one, but I imagine the Arsenal fans get a little bit frustrated.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, you, you speak of a topsy Premier League season. I think the frustration is compounded by the fact that the, the likely winners are going to be Leicester, who I feel a lot of Arsenal fans probably feel uh, they should be above, and of course Spurs above them, likely to finish above them for the first time I think since Wenger's taken charge, if not longer.
3: Yeah, So, so I think St- the, the, that, Day, that all is that the over.
1: frustration. Yeah, I don't even know what the opposite uh, of Saint Torkin's Day is. Saint Cockingham's Day. Yes, mm. <laughs> perfect. I mean, it's I mean better better than nothing.
3: I don't know. <laughs> um, sometimes 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 <laughs> you do want to just avoid a big cock. You know Cockingham's
1: day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, speak for yourself. Um
3: <laughs> you, you results. Yeah. <laughs> I believe is what we're all talking from that. There, <laughs> yeah. Uh
1: good God. Yeah, uh, uh, Sunderland of course getting a point though, that lifts them out of the relegation zone on goal difference above Norwich. Newcastle also getting a point, Lawrence yeah. at Anfield, a surprise point myself but Rafa, uh, Rafa got a little gift there uh, from his old club
3: uh, yeah uh, Jürgen Klopp pretty furious about it he played not a weakened team but uh, what you consider to be a second string uh, with a number of young guys Brad Smith um, who's the guy who basically clashed with uh, with uh, Mignolet I believe Connor Randall and uh, Stuart start the game Uh, And obviously Joe Allen was on the pitch as well. He can't really be considered second string. But, you know, a lot of Liverpool fans would sort of not prefer to play him at the beginning of the season. Then he probably wouldn't be in the side if uh, certain players were injured. Sacco's obviously got this uh, drug or fat burner problem (laughs) weighing over him.
1: Yeah, I mean, what do you make of this one? Because we we heard a few weeks ago the the report in the Times about how there potentially were... Uh, certain players who were using performance enhancing drugs in football. Is this sort of the tip of the iceberg of that, or is this just a little Um, episode where Sacco's made a little error as Colatore did many years ago?
3: Well, the case is still yet to be heard. Um, Liverpool and UEFA both haven't put any charges against him, uh, as of Sunday at least. And uh, basically, right. I think they've benched him as a precaution because obviously you don't want to be fielding ineligible players or maybe put the club in danger. Because of that, there's no reason to do so, apart from, apart from the fact that, I mean, if he did go to a UEFA hearing, um, then it probably would be a good idea to say, look, we let fucking two goals in against Newcastle. We really needed him out there. Um and but the the bigger point there is, it's a fat burner. He basically has to show that he wasn't negligent um, to an almost sort of personal degree, where he was kind of basically deliberately looking to mislead anyone. And we're looking at like almost like a reduced sentence. It could be anything, as minimum, of, um, you know, just literally a fine, a maximum of two years. Two years would be awfully harsh on a fat burner. Uh, so I'm told by other journalists. Um, So what basically everyone's looking at now is precautionary measures, uh, and they've benched him just in case. There's no sort of drug charges in that sense. No sort of, you know, he's not been doping. Doping. He's been trying to burn fat, uh, if he's even been trying to. He's not not doping, though. Yeah, but the point is, Dave, um, as far as I can tell, from internally at the club what people are saying, it's not... um, It's not a sort of deliberately taken supplement, they believe it was maybe just something else that was part of his uh, diet, and they don't know whether it was sort of, basically it's the category it falls into, it's just not necessarily that uh, we know any of the details, so all this is speculation at this point. Uh, by the press mm. as to what, what well, well, I say mean.
2: Liverpool should concede their Europa League semi-final to Manchester United anyway because it was on that day they he got caught Lawrence I mean, it, the I mean sensible in, many,
3: thing in, in many ways Dave if, if they did that then the only worry for me would be that the coefficient within Europe would massively go down because United this season are and I think you should probably should have put this in your shitty snapchat a huge pile of crap
2: uh, well, well. Lawrence McKenna they're shots a they're final pile of crap, mate.
3: Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Dave. But so, uh, something that just a season ago, Manchester United fans were laughing at Arsenal fans for being in and celebrating getting in there. But don't you worry, mate. It's all <laughs> right. Off you go. Let's uh, move Cheers, on from Dave. these sh- shots getting fired
1: on. all over the shop. I'm, I'm getting caught cool in the crossfire. Yeah. The other results <laughs> this weekend probably don't bear. <laughs> probably don't bear. <laughs> what are you talking about? Wanker. Anyway, City beat Stoke 4-0. <laughs> Man City B- Stoke 4-0. Stoke losing 4-0 for the second time in a week. Is okay. uh, good performance from City to... to uh, Sacco, Dave, Villa, Villa losing 4 uh, oh. to Southampton. Chelsea winning 4-1 at Bournemouth. Probably the most notable part of that match was Hazard scoring for the first time in 360 days. Well, no, actually, I believe Adam, then the most coming after the game thing,
3: was actually him saying what you're just about to say.
1: Saying that he doesn't want Spurs to win the league. He's with the fans. It's all building up to quite an interesting end of the season in terms of Spurs have to play Chelsea and, and, and the fact that Chelsea have to beat Spurs in that game they have to prevent uh, Spurs winning the league and of course Chelsea playing Leicester on the last day of the season if it does come to that Chelsea fans are quite happy to concede that one and wouldn't mind seeing their players uh, maybe putting a little less effort than they would usually. Really, in a game. So it's Adam, a very strange. Trying, it's a
3: very strange. Openly cheating. Well, I don't know.
1: I mean, the the, the Chelsea fans I have the pleasure of knowing, um, uh, as I say, a very described as
3: that, Adam. I've never heard for it Chelsea.
1: Chelsea to be Spurs um, were chanting at the Chelsea players, uh, so they knew as much uh, during the win at Bournemouth yesterday. Obviously. Eden Hazard caught in a bit because in his post-match interview he did say you know, we don't want Spurs to win the league, we'll do what we can to stop them. So it's,
3: it's a weird one, do you think? He, well, I think he also said that uh, he'd rather Leicester won the league because he, and this was a good quote, because he feels they deserve it. That was brilliant. Well, the man who's put in barely any effort into the season is then talking about who yeah, within the league yeah. deserves yeah, to they win. Yeah, it. Yeah, um, I think they deserve it. Well, sorry, what was that, Eden? How many runs have you actually made this season?
2: I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good yeah, yeah. point. Yeah.
1: Let's get into the question, guys, because there's so many good questions this week and so much interesting football chat to discuss. Yeah. We've answered them all yesterday, but let's... Let's really <laughs> awesome. So let's get into it, guys. The first question, a great question, from George Hawkins 8. He said, would you rather go down as a club leader Let's go, Totti, or be part of a very successful team, I should say, and win a lot of trophies, i.e., Wes Brown. Now, he's sort of implying there that maybe Wes Brown wasn't a great deal to
2: do with those trophies and that's success. Unbelievable. I'm
1: sure you'd disagree with that, Dave. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Wes Brown was crucial to that Champions League side at right back. He was brilliant. That's it season we won to the Champions League in 2008, he was the best right-back in the world for me. So I feel that Wes Brown has been wow. un, unfairly treated there, but I'd definitely be Wes Brown over Francesco Totti. I think it's better to be um, part, of a, part of a winning team than being, um, you know, sort of, in a way, a, a hero. I'd rather <laughs> yeah. be Totti, a, a hero and a
1: legend for life. P- people say in Rome, he's second only to the Pope in terms of how revered he is. So, I thought um, they said the Pope's only Doesn't sound too him, bad to me, but yeah. Yeah, probably actually. That's, um, probably, that's probably true. So I'd love to be Totty. What about you, Lawrence?
3: Um, could I be Wes Totty?
1: Wes Totty. Yeah. Beautiful. I love yeah. it. Yes, you can. The
3: only thing I was thinking was just sort of, um, you know, because I, I, there's a few reasons I want to be Totty. There's a few reasons I want to be Wes Brown. I don't want to be Wes Brown because Wes Brown's haircut. But I want to be Totti because Totti's hair. To yeah, that. good point. Um, I, when when Totti yeah. scored the other day, people sobbed, and uh, you know, like there was just an, a, an open outpouring. Apparently, on um, on the Italian commentary, just fawning over Totti. Um, and I've I i do not think I've ever sort of heard anyone do that over Wes Brown. But I think Wes Brown might get the long term satisfaction of being sort of Wes Brown. You know
2: he's yes. big and he's
3: bad I just rather I, I, if I it like wasn't Wes Brown with, I just feel like Wes Brown's a bad like I'd rather be well like, like Jimmy a, Traore who won the UEFA Champions League the FA Cup <laughs> uh, the <laughs> Cherry Shield
1: he you know the Club World Cup Ooh, he won all those trophies but he's not revered right whereas Totti maybe he's won a few domestic cups never won the league never won the Champions League yes but Adam Totti, he, Jimmy he
3: did, he did play on, he did play under Ranieri and alongside Battistuta in what can only be described as one of the best Roma sides of all time.
1: I mean, it's totally that, the way
3: that's... Go, on, go um, and watch. But I think Batistuta... I, you know, if you could be anyone... I was reading this today somewhere on Twitter. Uh, Battistuta is someone to be remembered. You know, he, he didn't win anything. He was fantastic. Mm. He was good for Argentina, but... Oh, yeah. he fantastic was show. He was fucking immense. Like, an amazing player. Diego Maradona called him the best striker he's ever ever seen and it, I mean you go you go a step further than that if you that look is at high the goals praise. compilation I praise
2: it, indeed incredible. he was my childhood hero was
3: he Dave shooter. is that where you grow hair was he now oh. yeah he scored a cracker against United in the first game I ever went to that's the, apparently the second best goal he's ever AKA scored aka Juice
2: mm.
1: wow yeah. uh, aka Juice said should Unai Emery be the next Arsenal manager Dave
2: Yes, definitely. Philly could give okay. the Arsenal midfield a little bit of grit that it, it needs. Um, we can get Crow back with him, bring him along. I feel that there's a lot of workers in that uh, severe team that, Remi- that Emery's brought in, and I feel that that's what Arsenal sort of need. need a- they need a main man, they need workers around. Obviously, his um, record with strikers is pretty decent backer last season, and then Kevin Grimero this season. Um, Kevin is had his best goal scoring season, 24 goals in all compositions. So I think. He's a manager that could easily fit at Arsenal. We know likes the ball. Ava Benega as well, French free transfer at the end of the season could pull him to Arsenal as well. Could be an interesting one. Adam19 on Twitter said, should LVG be
1: sacked if he makes the top four and wins the FA Cup? Let me guess, Dave, you are going to say yes.
2: I think I'm going to say yes, Adam, because I feel that Vangel's done a decent job, um, but it is time for him to move on. The football is a little bit boring. Um, I feel that um, another manager oh, really? could come in and do a better job.
1: It's almost if we recorded this yesterday. Next question from Nico. He said, do you think next year's Premier League table will yield the lowest amount of points due to the abundance of high-quality managers? Now, what I think Nico here is saying, will the Premier League winner, the right. points tally of the winner be one of the lowest it's been because of the, Adam, the can competition. Stop, Adam,
3: stop preempting all of our funny jokes, which are going to come along, please. What Adam's trying what? to do is cut, do cut, out the, trying to cut out all the bits from yesterday's podcast and preempt no, the that's exactly that I said yesterday. I, that's the exact same thing I said. It was, it? but we had a whole conversation yesterday where I was like, do you mean the overall points total of every team put together? Or the. Anyway, it's, fine. Oh, it's not funny when that. you have Sorry. to
1: explain your own jokes. Um, no, anyway. I, I wasn't trying to cut off the jokes, I was just trying to explain his question. His <laughs> you see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The ba- I, I would never want to cut off the banter, believe me. I The for, for.
3: If I could have an operation, it would be to remove <laughs> the banter. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> yes, doctor. It's just shut off the banter, please. No, no, leave the <laughs> tip. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Oof. Right. What'd you recommend? recommend?
3: Uh no, I think that they're uh um, yeah, this season's this, a, connection's... this season's an aberration. Uh, in many at least you know you don't hope so I mean hopefully it, make, it becomes a more diverse league but there's a lot of new managers entering it uh, there's a lot of clubs who are coming strong come the end of the season I think a lot of clubs have fan identity midway through the season clubs going through a lot of transition and some clubs who are going to be coming on very strong getting new managers the beginning of next season we're talking Pep Guardiola we're talking Jose Mourinho <laughs> we're talking uh, Arsenal <laughs> we're talking uh, Spurs coming on strong we're talking Liverpool coming on strong with a a full summer and season with what Klopp can actually do with that side um, we're talking you know Leicester investing their winnings back into the side if it's not all spent on Ranieri's bonus um, and you know a number of other teams Uh, Looking to invest So yes it will become a more diverse league But I think what we have seen Mm. is that One of the reasons it's become more tactically diverse Is because some of the teams have left themselves Tactically open And some managers haven't updated fast enough And the managers coming into the league And that mixed with the money I think is going to lead To a bit of an update in the Premier I think you you would hope is going to lead to a bit Of an update in the Premier League
1: Ooh Intriguing Joshua Mason says, (laughs) if Bayern Munich win the Treble and Germany win the Euros, should Muller at least be considered for the Ballon d'Or as this has been his best season? Dave, has it been his best season if he achieves all those hypotheticals?
2: Um, I think it has, yeah. Goal-scoring-wise, it has been his best season before his um, highest total in the league, the Bundesliga sorry, was 13 goals under Louis van Gaal. Um, he's smashed in 19 goals this season, um, created the most chances at Bayern Munich this year. Um, he looks uh, as good as he has been ever. His movement's been absolutely second to so none. We all know that. Um, what he's been good at this season is getting into the box Is sort of, you know, becoming another... Striker in a way, sort of playing central midfield, but ending up in a striker position. He's, he's, you know, he's so gifted. He's probably the most intelligent player in the world right now. And yeah, I think if he if he does do these things, if he moves on. Yeah, I think he should definitely be up for the Ballon d'Or.
1: I've got to turn off my mute there. Ah, oh, good. Uh, sticking on Bayern Munich. If Bayern get Hummels, says Edward. Thank you very much for your question, Edward. Will they become the first club to win UCL back-to-back times? Another big hypothetical. Mm. But what do you reckon, Lawrence? Hummels going to Bayern Munich, another Dortmund player
3: going across. This is in build, this rumour, last week saying this is going to happen. My answer is going to be less based on Hummels, more based on Ancelotti. Um, Oh, I like it. The bigger factor is going to be Ancelotti, I think, in that. But I think within that, he's probably going to look for another strong centre-back. And, you know, I, I you know, we've been listening to Dave's evaluations of Hummels for almost a year now. Um, and, you know, every time, you know, everything that he lists about the player um, and the qualities that he brings to a side look like, um, it would sort of keep Bayern on track for what they want to do and also work very well in an Ancelotti system. Right, Dave?
2: So I think we've seen with Ancelotti over, um, you know, the, with AC Milan, with Real Madrid, he likes a ball-playing centre-back, um, but he lets the players do, uh, sort of play how they want to play in a way. So yeah, after Pep Guardiola, obviously they're still going to have this possession-based style and Ancelotti will just come in and, and sort them out defensively and get them organised into a better defensive shape than what Pep Guardiola has them at the moment in the transition. But I think Matt Hummels is a player that, a lot of teams are going to come in for him in the summer. If he decides that it's time to move, obviously the, the quotes are saying that he's thinking about it now. Obviously Manchester United were linked heavily with him last season. He could do a job there. Um, he could do a job at any club. He'd be perfect for Barcelona as well, um, You know, playing next Gerard uh, Pique. But again, he'd be great at Barcelona.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care.
2: he would be great at rail. he would be great anywhere really. He's one of those players that um, is at the next level in ball playing at centre half. Uh, you know he's it's, it's a deep lying playmaker from centre back in a way. Um, we saw what we've seen his passing range obviously against Liverpool. He was played that cracking through ball forward. It's not something that he doesn't. You know, it's not something that's just a rarity that happens time and time again. Um, his passing ability seconds and on, His long passing as well is unbelievable. You know that stands that he's played um, either McTyrian or Bemiang over the top uh, with like a perfect ball with the backspin that he gets on it that's incredible so good at hitting like a a flat pass and then when it lands it stops dead and it's just you know it's a skill that not many players have you could say it's sort of Paul Scholes-esque in a way but it's a player again wherever he goes they're going to get a top top defender
1: here's a great interesting question from Gio Salazar if Mourinho joins Man United this summer who would finish higher next season Man United
3: or Liverpool Lawrence United still will because again I'll go back to the manager.
2: Yeah, I kind of agree there. And also Liverpool, you know, the entire Liverpool first eleven are going to get uh, busted for doping. So I think United will be able to beat Liverpool's you know young lads that have come through this season that haven't been doing the doping. So I expect a, a, a vibrant United team under Mourinho that will counter attack very well. That will deal with Jurgen Klopp's pressing. Wow
3: wowzers yes indeed Dave on a similar-ish
1: note Chris said do managers have an expiry date on how they can still be of a high standard in the modern game i.e. Wenger LVG
2: oh my Jesus article in the Financial Times get on it read it it's brilliant it talks about how um, it's difficult to innovate twice in any walk of life Uh, if you look at big business uh, you know players that have created big businesses like Apple or Google, it'll be an innovator around the age of 40 that would have seen something in the market, that would have reacted something into market and taken their chance there, would have innovated previous work. And I think that's the case with managers. The likes of Louis mm-hmm. Gaal that played a very patient, uh, possession-based style that used to be able to get around um, defences, used to them, wear them down and then break them down. Now, we're seeing that not working, similar to Wenger, a little bit set in his ways of how, the, how Arsenal play football, and there's no real speed or transition or change in style over the last sort of four or five seasons. These two managers have already innovated once in their careers, and can they do it again? It's a big, big task. It's easier to be outside the game, a coach coming into the game, seeing how someone sets up a Pep Guardiola, and then evolving that methodology, like Guardiola did with, uh, with uh, Van Gaal, with all the great managers that he, you know. Raves is about Bielsa and so forth. He's updated the style. And again, potentially Guardiola's already peaked at Barcelona.
3: Well, wow. well, I mean, that is interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, uh, considering that other managers are still talking about trying to catch up with him. There's a no- But there are a number of ways you can change that. You know, uh, like Dave's already alluded to, it's about, not only about the man, but it's about the system as well. You know, you look at... Um, you, you know, you even look at Liverpool. Uh, you know, Shankly came in he surrounded himself with the boot room. Um, Sir Alex has famously had an, a series of number twos um, who have innovated at different points. You know, uh, who, is, who is the Portuguese guy, Dave? Who is it, United? Carlos Queiroz. Carlos Queiroz. I mean, you know, Carlos Queiroz is credited with bringing in a lot of Portuguese players at Manchester United. Now, what was interesting about that is that Sir Alex Ferguson's innovation is about diversity and is about mm the change in tactics and about being adaptable. And, you know, it's like Dave has already said from the Financial Times article, Steve Jobs surrounded himself with guys who um, were innovators in their own field. So Apple as a company were able to innovate in a number of ways. And you can apply that to football too. Liverpool had the boot room. Shankly innovates, takes control, and he begins to shape his side. He moves on at the right time. In many ways, people consider that too soon for him, too soon for Liverpool. In comes Bob Paisley. He has his own tactical ideas. He has his own way of approaching it. Bob Paisley moves on. Most people, again, consider too early, too early for the club. Next in, they've got another manager. You've got the likes of Bobby Moran. You've got a, you've got some really good players coming in there. And the time where it broke down was when the system broke down. And I think Sir Alex was hoping that, some, uh, that what he saw in David Moyes was the blueprint and not the finished article. And he was hoping that he would come in and do that at United. And I think for that reason, that was the reason that he brought him in. Um So, you know, uh, when we talk about uh, people having an expiry date, maybe the people do, but their ideas sort of live on. Sorry, that went on a bit long, didn't it?
1: Well, I enjoyed it. I loved um, it. Yeah, great. Morgan said, what is your favourite non- football-based youtuber personally casey neistat is by far my favorite go on dave morgan who's she good oh no
3: <laughs> dave, do you genuinely not do you oh, genuinely dear.
1: not know who casey neistat
3: no dave even though we recorded yesterday and we said his name gave you a number of warnings you didn't go and look him up in that time
2: no, unfortunately I'm not. I didn't, <laughs> I was too busy <laughs> having a great time watching Manchester United to get to the FA Cup final.
3: Going on, on the piss guys. with Georgie Vest. Right,
2: okay. Going on up to this piss. <laughs> <laughs> Where are yeah, we, we going to go? Sorry, lads. Probably yeah. still a little bit drunk from yesterday. God,
3: yeah, I still can't work out if that's an offensive yeah, chant no. to a man who died um, of sort of alcoholism. But it's fair enough. Um, you know. Mm, yeah, it's affectionate. What do you... Uh, Lawrence, you're a big fan of Casey Nice Neistat. Massive. Actually. Casey's, I'd say, the best vlog, the best thing on YouTube, isn't he? Um, who else would you say? I'm gonna go. Ooh, good question. I like MKBHD, the technology guy. Um, mm, yeah. I also like uh, Every Frame's a Painting, the YouTuber mm. that does like the analysis of films. And I also like Now You See It, which is also another very simple... And if you're sort of looking to get into directing or, you know, composing frames, then that's a very good film account. And then there's one run by uh, someone called Adam Boltwood, but I can't remember which what, what that channel is. It's called Dialogue, Di- No, Dialogue is it? Uh, oh, yeah. Dialogue. Great Dialogue, little movie yeah. channel. That my, that
1: my brother mainly runs that one. But, yeah, uh, but, but it's, a involved, it's a Boltwood like, brother
3: like, thing, isn't it? Like the Cohen brothers. Boltwood Bros Productions. <laughs> um, is it is it a Cohen brothers thing or is it like the two brothers that shot the matrix where one of you is going to become a woman uh well both of them have actually uh changed gender now right so, um, of course yes
1: there you go um my favorite youtube channel is h3h3 productions it's a little reaction channel very funny and full of what i believe they call banter next Ooh. question is from solomon the main bloody man Who said, knowing what the UEL did for LFC's confidence and prestige, should fans be all the more disappointed Spurs didn't have a go versus Dortmund? Now, I have to say, seeing Liverpool go through was a little bit painful. Uh, I mean, Lawrence, you've experienced that incredible atmosphere once in a lifetime experience. It's mentality. That would have been, in many ways, but that would have been something, a great night for Spurs. But I feel. I can't be too disappointed Solomon because it's allowed us to concentrate on the league you saw the performance of the season from us uh, against Stoke on Monday night and if I could choose between winning the Europa League or maybe mounting this tile challenge that we're trying to at the moment I'd choose the latter so I can't be too disappointed fair play to Liverpool uh, absolutely fantastic uh, well, the, Adam uh, I mean the main in the, in the issue the
3: main issue with Spurs is and I think we're all agreed on this most of those guys don't come from their academy uh, yes yes <laughs> Yes, I think we'll come onto to that, don't I think we'll come
1: on to that. Adam, least... why
2: didn't... Vince? Sorry, come on. Go on, Go on. Dave. Why didn't, Adam... didn't Potch just um, get some performance enhancers, mate? Yeah. he could have won both tournaments. Yeah. I that's,
1: mean, uh... that, that's, the only re- that's the only reason that, that Liverpool went through. Sacco was on an upper level. Yeah, I think
3: fucking on it. a 10 out of 10? watching that 10 game. Out that he 10 out he... of Dave, have you got any stats on that? Didn't think so, mate. Stay in your box. <laughs>
2: Um, I, I, for that game there was a few stats but the biggest one was obviously the, uh, the cheating stat Sacco getting a 10 out of 10 from the performance i Mate.
3: Interesting. Dave stuck in. Dave stuck in the uh, analogue age there when you just turn your TV on or off brilliant well done <laughs> oh
1: fuck uh, Louis Murad said are you considering coming to the USA this summer
3: yes we're considering Not, it are you going to fund yes?
1: it yes crowdfund I believe that's what it's for letting people go on jollies um, I will be in the US this summer Louis. if you're in San Francisco uh, late August I'll see you there right. Vincent Rodriguez yeah. said who are the players you hate most your favorite uh, Dave, is is of
3: your favourite club Dave is it a still realistic
2: answer it,
3: isn't he is it still Maron
2: Fellaini no not anymore Arno, Marics, not anymore Joc, he's, he's my favourite player hero, mate. Though, I'm going to get a tattoo of oh, Maron Fellaini on my back
1: are you actually nope absolutely not disappointing um, <laughs> sorry Matt W said, "Do you think Lacazette will make a move away from Lyon? And does he have the quality to play for a top European club?" Now, this is a player, Dave. People were talking about it a lot last summer. He's going to Spurs. He's going to Arsenal. It's all sort of died down a little bit this season. Uh, what's happening?
2: Uh, well, he, he proved some statisticians on on the Twitter sphere completely wrong that said he was a one-season wonder. The really? reason why he scored all his goals because he had they were all penalties. We actually watched the fellow. He's a technically gifted wide. Forward that, that plays through the middle, that's yeah, immensely good at finishing. You know, he showed it this season again that he, he can score goals. You know, Lyon, did start very poorly this season because Fekir got injured. The main creative hub in the 4-4-2 diamond, Fekir got injured. They switched to a 4-3-3 Lyon, but Lacazette's banging the goals in for fun. 17 goals in in Liga. He's shown his quality, and apparently he's having English lessons. One of the papers reported that he was having them. So if he comes to the Premier League, he'll be an asset to any of the sides. He'd be really good at Arsenal. Fit perfectly for Arsenal. You know. A, Mobile forward, you know, you could link up with the likes of Sanchez and Meza. Be, that'd, be, that'd be a beautiful front three, but whether Wenger is going to do that, we do not know. Whether see, it will be Wenger as honest. manager next season, you don't know. I'm not
3: sure it is unusual for many players to get English lessons. It is sort of still a very international language, especially within football. So, you know, it's not necessarily a uh, an indicator as to where he's going. But mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Adam,
1: uh, next question. Good. Ooh. quite like that one <laughs> Chris Jones says gents are Aston Villa the worst team in Europe's top five divisions
3: if not who is focus on the worst not the best for a change mm. okay I like um, that the worst I mean it's difficult to say a worse team than Aston Villa at this point isn't it I mean did you we all saw the sort of weird Randy Lerner uh letter earlier in the week it's so unusual isn't it he sort what, of basically, what did he say he, in the letter he basically said t- he said that, you know it falls at my feet um, that we've gone down Um well and that's fine taking the, of, taking the blame yeah but it would have sort of been better if he'd done that before do you know what I mean if he'd sort of gone yeah I'm going to handle right. it instead of sort of going oops drop that vase Oh, well, falls at my feet. Just don't drop it in the first place. Yeah, just don't <laughs> drop the Vars, Randy. Randolph. Jesus, Randy. Jesus. So, you never say Randy, you say Randolph if you're angry with him. Right, Randolph. Yeah. You dropped the club, Randolph. You've dropped the club. Bloody Randolph.
2: Yeah. I think you've got to put Troyes out there. They've Both um, Villa and Troyes have scored 25 goals this season. Um, that's, you know, the worst in Europe's top five leagues. Um, uh, but the thing is that Troyes have conceded 77 goals and, we- and Aston Villa have only conceded 69 so unfortunately Troyes worst team in Europe wow oh this is
1: the team who uh, what was the PSG stat when PSG went to play them do you remember oh, what,
2: the, 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 was it the 9-0 yeah, yeah. they
1: scored more g- goals at Troyes than Troyes had scored themselves at home all season, I believe it was, just, uh, <laughs> it was something ridiculous like that mm, yeah um,
3: I mean, but if, if, like we're, talking about, if we're talking about Aston Villa, let's talk about how uh, Luis Suarez on his own has scored more than Aston Villa all season. Luis Suarez with four oh. goals again on the weekend. That, and that brings me to a fantastic question
1: from Edward, who writes in saying, do you agree with Jamie Carragher, who this weekend said that Wenger's biggest mistake as Arsenal manager was not signing Luis Suarez? Now, of course, you pointed out that, Lawrence, this guy is bang on for he's eight goals in
3: his last two games now for Barcelona. Yeah, really incredible. Um sensational. It's not even um in form. I mean what he's been doing for this side for a while now is quite incredible. You know, he's he's at four, I think mm. it's fifty-three goals in forty nine games. I mean that that's immense. You know, that's and you know, his his significance is massive. Um you know, he does tend to do these sort of goal gluts. Uh, but even then is incredible stuff. Um the next Oh, no. What I wanted to say was... <coughs> yeah, you wanted to ask me about it. Yeah, you wanted to ask me. Yeah.
1: Sorry. I wanted to ask... Yeah. Obviously, what everyone is, is referring to is 2013. Arsenal made a £40, 40 million and one pound bid for Luis Suarez. They believed it was going to trigger his, uh, the release clause in his contract and what open negotiations smoking? with Liverpool. Of course, <laughs> Liverpool responded with, what are they smoking over at uh, the Emirates? Uh, very angry about what they saw as almost uh, an insulting bid from Arsenal. Now, of course... You think maybe a finger would put in an offer that was less or was perceived as less cheeky, maybe 45 million, 50 million, something that couldn't be turned down.
3: Well, I think what you could have realistically, could have turned Yeah, I think the biggest mistake was was the way that they offered. Um, and
1: what Carragher says is they would have won, he says they would have at least won two of the last three Premier League titles if they'd have brought Suarez to the Emeralds.
2: That's why it's the biggest mistake. I think they would have. They, you know, if they had, had Luis Suarez as Gusto up front, they probably would have won the league those two you know, times. It was a, not the best Manchester City team that won it that season, and then the season after, and then this season, we've had a lot of movement um, with teams like Leicester and Tottenham emerging. But I think with Suarez at, at Liverpool, at Liverpool had that gusto where they'd score more goals on their opponent, but they lacked a bit of control in the centre of the park. I feel that's what Arsenal did have that year. I think when they put that bin, I think Arsenal were actually top of the league. So if they had bought that striker in January, that would have scored the goals. it's a massive upgrade from Olivier Giroud, that could press from the front, that can really go at teams. Um, they potentially would have gone on to win the league. I think it's a, it's a correct comment. But whether Suarez would have wanted to go is a different thing, right? You know, why would he want to leave that leave that Liverpool team where he's playing the best? I think football he football
1: did. He 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 was. He was reported to be in a bit of a strop afterwards. The fact that they'd sort of turned down the bid, he he wanted to leave, was the reports doing rounds at the time. So I don't think necessarily Suarez wouldn't have left. Um,
3: I think okay. if Arsenal had put in a in a, in a more a well, bid that had a bit more substance to it, I think a little bit more respect for where the, for what the club had done at that by that point. Um, I, I mean, it, essentially, there's there's a lot of factors here, which is not it's not just money. You know, you can't sort of say, well, that's business. You know, money is not, money's not the only aspect of business. There's a human side to it too, hence supply and demand. The supply side is how much can you make. The demand side has to be generated. Um, as, you know, the, my point there is you can't just sort of go, okay, that money is money. Uh, take it. You know, Liverpool were basically saying, you know, uh, there's other factors here. You know, it's bad business for us to be dealing with someone who's considered to be a title rival, those sorts of things. So there's, you know, there was more to it than just that. Um, You know, and I think it's just weird that Arsenal thought, uh, you know, afterwards, I I think it was, uh, I think it was Rodgers. I think it was also um, uh, John Henry who just sort of said, look, these clauses don't really mean anything. The only time that you really yeah. need to sell is when the player actually doesn't want to be there. And I think Liverpool, in that sense, sort of managed to get as much as they could out of him, which was quite impressive, really, another season. And then, you know, he's off and he's, you know, he, he probably wouldn't have changed his ways, particularly if he'd gone to Arsenal, but he mm. changed them for the ultimate trade, which was to Barcelona.
1: And we never would have got to see the MSN, one of the greatest strike forces in Why history, not? potentially. So Why not? He would if have he'd gone to Arsenal.
3: Well, no, it's just a production line for Barcelona, isn't it? Yeah,
1: good point. Um, here is a great question from Gary Goals himself. He said, Would you what striker would you rather have? A six foot two target man or a little pace merchant? It's a great phrase. Well
3: I love the word merchant. That's a really good um, merchant. He's a merchant of yeah. pace. Why can't he be a why why don't they call him a height merchant? <laughs> Adam, you're a bit of a height merchant, aren't do they, you? Do you trade do I trade on my height? Um Yeah, I mean you kinda of I mean, no, you, you, you trade, trade more on when you wait around, but yeah. No, you're you're know, s you're a, you're a,
1: you're a skill merchant. merchant. Right. Yes. The, yeah, I like yeah.
3: it. Yes. Yes.
1: Cool. <laughs> 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 I would rather have a six foot two inch beast up front to <laughs> a case merchant. That's what I'd rather have. I don't have. know where you'd
3: find one of those nowadays. A beast
1: merchant in many
3: ways. You're a beast. Okay, I'd right. right. You're, you're, a, a be- Sorry, did you I've say beast it. merchant or an obese a- merchant? D- a beast. A- right, I'd okay. rather have an obese beast merchant. Akin <laughs> him
1: firmware up front. Yes, please. Right. You can do it all. Yeah. Apart from the stuff you can't do.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, what would you rather have, Dave?
2: Um, I think I'm going to go for the counter-attacking target, man. Bring others into play. make me sick absolutely beautiful mate <laughs> beautiful <laughs> stuff <So> basically <laughs> up, uh, I'm saying I'm saying I'm on you bolted in my team yeah <laughs> I'm not a fucking counter-attacking yes.
1: pace merchant right, is that what you're yeah. trying to say no no, no, no I'm to saying that say like you're, you're a target
3: merchant.
1: mate yes oh I yeah, am yeah. mate yes I'm a big I'm, lumbering target
3: man I'd say you're an inch merchant ooh because you're a merchant <laughs> in the inches that you deal uh, very yes. joshy says moving on moving swiftly Wait, on. hold on a minute i go for a pace merchant thank you very much um, Excellent. And, and in many Josh. ways, that's what my oh okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, anyway. Baron I would going to say because you finished quickly. Am I right, Adam? Wait, all right. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, descended into it's just a banter,
3: this this is the kind of thing that happens in a football locker room, isn't it, Adam? we just a couple of bloody lads. <laughs> Ooh, just, oh. just a couple of blokes
1: having a few cans. A <laughs> bit of banter. Uh, speaking of blokes and banter Varan Joshi the main man he says what is slash are the best teams to have brought on youth into the first team from the top teams across Europe in the last two years he says this question comes from the first the sorry this question comes from the two substitute, which is Varan's podcast
3: great podcast. which he says was inspired by
1: the front three nice name Varan as well I is like it
3: it. very good I, now, actually, I actually do subscribe to that podcast yeah so.
1: Oh, very nice. Um, yeah, what do you reckon? Who are the, the, the teams who have developed the best youth products across Europe then,
2: Dave? I've got two. I've got to go. I'm going to throw out Juventus. Sure. Yeah. Sorry, lads. What explosion? That? Explosion in my nose. Um, right. Okay, that's what she's out like. Whee! So, yeah, Juventus. You know, you look at the likes of Paul Pogba. Dybala, um, oh, yeah. you know, other players there, Marata. Have they come uh, through their
1: academies, though, Dave?
2: I suppose they're a bit cheating, aren't they? They, they buy and then... They, they are buy a bit youth cheating, players. yes. But, OK, one, the non-cheaty example, it's got to be Leon. After, mm. you know, the, the brilliant business model of buying players from Africa and unknown countries, like, for example, Michael Essien, <laughs> selling, them, selling them on the market for big money, and now they've improved their youth academy. Players that have come through there of late... Obviously, we've got Lac, uh, Lacazette, uh, Goulallon, Teliso, Samuel Mtiti, Titi, uh, Anthony Lopez, uh, this, uh, Fakir. Bless uh, you. There's dear. some real what talent there. Oh. So, you know, big cheeses, Leon. We, both, Jesus went for, we both
3: went for the same joke.
2: Um, we did. Uh, what was the you Leon... said bless you, I said fuck you.
3: <laughs> what was the What
2: was the Leon um, The PSG score? Leon PSG. Mm. Lyon, PSG, PSG one, uh, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't today, but they played Toulouse yesterday. Leon.
3: Yep. Ah, uh-huh. I'm I'm just alluding. I'm just alluding, <laughs> I'm just alluding to the fact, guys. All, no, all I'm saying is, you know, PSG—they've got a great youth policy. Oh, they do indeed. That's awkward.
1: What do you make of the comments, Lawrence, by Michael Emanalo? earlier this week the, uh, the Chelsea technical director who came out and sort of made a little slight against Spurs Academy and he sort of said you know for all this hoopla for all this hype they've only actually developed one key player and that's Harry Kane yeah, so he was like this is not he was trying to say the youth problem the problem of developing youth is not
3: unique to Chelsea it's it's across all teams even Spurs Um yeah, I mean i don't I don't quite know what he means by the problem um i would imagine he was riled up by some sort of reporter who's looking for a quote. I don't know that um, but I mean you know maybe I feel like he's a misquoted i don't feel like it particularly serves anyone to comment on anyone else's academy unless of course they've been in it and seen it, uh, which I imagine maybe has maybe they've played their academy, et cetera et cetera um, but I, I tend to find that um just commenting on any sort of academy doesn't ever really help anyone uh, the only side I'd really go for there is that he's probably been asked, you know, what do you think about their academy look how well they're doing this season, he's gone, well they're, that's not oh their academy. academy, but the point would be uh, you still need to finish them, you know, uh, kids still almost need a finishing school if you like, and they need to be made into that rounded final product um, you know, I mean Liverpool have got, Liverpool would essentially have a backbone of South Londoners right now, uh, if Sterling had stayed, which would be Gomez Jordan Ibe uh, Raheem Sterling um, there's one other guy in there who's from South London but I can't remember who at this point um, so you know it, it's it's about sort of making them a finished product ready for the pitch not just mm. winning those youth tournaments because as we know that's the point. you can win youth tournaments but it's about performing at the next level so it's all well and good doing that but you know how many of your players are in the squad that's what you should exactly. really be looking at
1: I think that's the point you, you you were making yesterday when we we did this yesterday. You were sort of saying about how it's it's not about developing the players that's the real quiz. at the academy level, but giving them a chance in the first team. Because, I mean, he talks about how Spurs have bought Deli Ali, they've bought Eric Dyer, you know. Oh, but they gave him a chance in the first team, and look at how we're reaping the rewards now. Danny Rose as well, sort of came for the academy. Tom Carroll, Pritchard, who's obviously on there at West Brom, I think... I think it's rich for Maralo to make those comments when... Maybe he should stop loaning out hundreds of players elsewhere. Well, and, uh, I
3: mean, I don't even i think. for some players. We, yeah, we can separate the two. I mean, I think it's probably best that Emanalo sort of, um, you know, evaluates his own players. And, you know, at this yes. point you can say, well done, those guys are doing well. Because, you know, we've all seen what Chelsea Rory has to say about, uh, you know, the way that Chelsea are doing. Because there's something really good going on there right now. Um, but th- at the same time... You know, Spurs have had to attract those players. And as far as I can tell, some of those players were under great demand. So why have they gone to Spurs ahead of other clubs who all claim to have similar resources and something that's going to pull a player there? There's something that's pulling those players in. So, you know, there's some appreciation for that as well.
1: Good point. Shrishant says, what did you make of Ozil uh, not being in the PFA team of the year uh, and Bellerin being
3: there as well? It's about heart, isn't it?
1: Um, he's
3: about heart you know, Do I you mean, think he, Ozil deserves to be there though? I felt this team Is a bit more zeitgeist Than maybe Ozil was But Ozil's been fantastic right. Maybe the p- point would be Those guys have been More consistent performers um, that It's also been That there's a mixture Of what foreign managers Are doing within the league now And it seems a little bit more To match up with What's going on on the continent Maybe it's a trendy team As opposed to a team That um, statistically works but the point would be that those guys have got statistics to counter his as assists and it's where those assists come and how important those assists have been and what you would say is the guys who were in that team are putting assists and putting goals at critical moments whereas there are now question marks over a guy who's yelling oh for fuck's sake when uh, his wing back uh, puts <laughs> <Yeah>. it across
2: <laughs> so. I, but, but to be fair with, with, with Ozil he, d- he deserves it in my opinion you know, he's broken the record for most chances created in a season uh, in the Premier in Premier League history so He's definitely. He should, he should be in there ahead of Payet for me. Payet's been really good, but again, Payet's been through. He had a very good spell at the start of the season, then got injured, then has had a pretty decent spell for a few weeks, and again, he's sort of uh, hitting a little bit of rough form again. So I think it's a bit unfair. If, if Messi had a better striker ahead of him, he'd be on like 30 assists. I think that's the level of uh, chances that he does create. I think that's how you've got to sort of look at it. So it's, it's a little bit unfair for me, especially... But then again, I think the big problem is that this PFA list has come out before the end of the season. Yeah,
3: I mean that—that's part of it. Um, You know, I mean credit to Ranieri for sort of saying don't don't worry so much about the PFA awards, uh, worry more about the matches because you know at which point does a fan go, well we were well represented at the PFA awards, weren't we that year? Um, They they just don't, you know.
2: Absolutely rubbish.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, having said uh, that, that De- Delhi Ali was, was nailed on for winning Young Player of the Year and Riyamah is definitely nailed on because he was the only guy who was told that he absolutely had to come. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Let's, we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the show. Let's get for a few more questions uh, before we do uh, wrap things up. Here's a good question from Ali Jawad. Providing that Sturridge is on good form and is fit, does he deserve to start ahead of Rooney for the Euro's we have three games a week. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Rooney is not competing for the same position as Sturridge, Sturridge, Kane and Vardy probably are competing for that lone striker role. You'd expect Rooney to play behind the striker. So Rooney will start, I think. Um, I think Hodgson is. Uh, it is clear that Hodgson uh, is a big fan of Rooney and, and sees him as very important to the team. But I don't think he's going to be playing him as a striker.
2: Yeah. I think that not playing two strikers would be suicidal and stupid.
1: Suicidal. I mean, that's a good point. But even if he did, <laughs> it's not going to be Rooney playing up
2: front, no? No, Rooney's playing central midfield, hasn't no, he? After his last two games. He's the quarterback, Dropping mate. Deep. He's the quarterback. Yeah, he's the quarterback, he's the quarterback isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's so uh, destroyed.
1: Um, Robert said, who's going to be the next club to do the famous treble? Could very well be Bayern Munich, couldn't it, Dave?
2: Yeah, I think Bayern Munich this season... But They're in the final of the German Cup, obviously top of the Bundesliga, and they're looking very good in the Champions League. Obviously, they've got to get over the hurdle, Atletico Madrid. One player that I think has been quite key to their run of form of late has been Arturo Vidal. Um, sort of pushed ahead of Xavi Alonso in the pecking order at central midfield, and he's just looked really good in a defensive sense. Um, and he's been popping up with a number of goals, getting into the box when buying at the ball wide, which is um, sometimes an issue under Pep Guardiola, is not getting enough men into the penalty area. But now with Muller's movement, with Lewandowski, and then Vidal making those late surges, it's looking good for Bayern.
1: <laughs> Here's my uh, favourite question for this week's podcast. Frederick Hallestrom writes in, he just said, best fat player ever. <laughs> so he didn't, even put, he didn't even put a question mark at the end, which makes it just sound like a statement. It's like best fat
3: player ever. Who uh, is the best um, fat player. Adriano maybe. Adriano oh, is a yeah. good shout. Bigger man. He's a bit of a, a bit of a beast. Maybe Neville Southall was a big player. Oh, Neville Southall's yeah, oh, He was yeah. a big. He was a big lad. Uh, I mean, you could probably say original Ronaldo is definitely one. Ronaldinho was a little bit overweight, Porky for a while. Yeah, Jack Wiltshire now. <laughs> Um, yes, Wayne Rooney.
1: Messi was fat for a little while when he was eating his pizzas, as we've discussed before on the podcast.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Um, there was actually Liverpool. One, Liverpool pizzas. had a goalkeeper called Tommy Lawrence, who was actually nicknamed the Flying Pig. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. <The> <laughs> the I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm, um, pretty, I'm pretty sure it was. Not, it was more of a sort of an, an affectionate uh, nickname, uh, a term of endearment. But you know, even the Final question, Edvin says, "Can decide.
1: LFC challenge for the top four next season, or even the title?"
3: I think, those yes. Are the t- I think yes. they're yes the and top four, yeah. Um,
1: title is a bridge too far, is it?
3: I I, I kind of want to see who cop- buys. I mean, I think it's almost too early. Gersa, to is coming. Uh, then no. <laughs> <laughs> then no. Um, shall we finish by
1: just discussing briefly the PFA awards? Riyad Mahrez, as you mentioned there, Lawrence, has won the Player of the Year. Has he?
3: That's a his That's attendance
1: was. It is considering he was his, his attendance was demanded. He had to show up.
3: Imagine um, if they so brought him in him just, just to humiliate him. They went, "You have to come." Why? Yeah. So we oh, can by the way, you mate, you lost. Face. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Harry Kane's won, and he's not even here, mate, because Martinez like wouldn't let him. Like that's how oh, we got invited whatever. to the
3: football blogging awards. No, he
1: didn't. Um mm, shit! Know. That was awkward. So, Riyad Mahrez has won. Now, Dave, do you think that's a deserved win for the Moroccan? I mean, I heard you talk about Harry Kane maybe deserved to win.
2: Yeah, I think Harry Kane's definitely up there with Riyad Mahrez, but I think with Riyad Mahrez's contribution to this Leicester City side, um, really ignited them at the start of the season. He was the man that was making things happen for them, Uh, really devastating on the counter-attack again against against Swansea, sorry, against Leicester City. He plays for Leicester City, you idiot. Um but yeah, no, against himself again. <laughs> a little bit of a breakdown. My favourite part <laughs> okay. of the year
3: was when Dave when Dave suffered from mental health issues. Um It's mad that this Lawrence this mental week, health isn't a joke. This weekend
1: a year ago, Dave. Dave yeah. This weekend a year ago, Leicester dragged themselves to seventeenth mm. with a one 0 win over Burnley. Mahrez yeah. was unused substitute. So, a year later, PFA player of the year, he's going to win the
2: Ballon d'Or. That's nailed on. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, being directly involved in 28 Premier League goals is incredible. 17, 17 goals and 13 assists. Not at the Luis Suarez level from a number of seasons ago. I think he, he got 31 goals and got 12 assists, which is absolutely insane. But, it, you know, Mahrez does really carry them delicious. on the break. Again, we saw today that he's... Quality when he's got that space, you know, a lot of teams decided to shut him down on the break, sit a little bit deeper. But when he's got the space, he can absolutely fly. Um, And you know, there's I've heard reports from certain sources, you know, mayonnaise and ketchup, that are saying that his agent have been offering around to pretty much everyone for about 35 million, which would be a bargain for Riyad Mahrez. Bloody hell! So yes, it's going to be interesting. He definitely deserves to win it. He's just been absolutely outstanding this season. How old is Mahrez? Is he like 24, five? So I think he's 25, yeah, he's 25. 25, so still <laughs> decent. Oh, he's, he's, some, he's older so than five.
3: all of us. Jeez. <laughs> anyway.
1: Yeah, of course he yeah, is. Mm-hmm. Huh? What about Delhi Alley, Lawrence? Obviously, now a no-brainer. Well, yeah. Debut Premier League season, 10 goals, 9 assists. He's taken the lead by storm, some absolute stonkers. He's nutmegged every single player in the Premier League, I believe. Um, yeah, it's just it,
3: think, at least you know, twice I think he's I think he's had it's something along the lines of let me try and find this, I think it was something like uh, Delhi Alley, where are those stats uh, 10 goals 9 assists 17 nutmegs
1: <laughs> I mean you can't argue with stats like that that's why think, he's
3: won you know when you you know when the players are out on the pitch and I've, I've heard it from time to time but you know when they nutmeg someone you think they go megs or do you think they just keep playing
1: Megs. No, He definitely does it. He definitely does Megs. Yeah. It, apparently, it's not a problem with Megs if you don't collect it on the other side. Is that true?
3: Yes. Well, no. Mm. Unless, unless one of you, you or have your to team... collect it. Yeah, but one, either you or your teammates have to collect it because it could be a
2: Megs pass, right? Ooh, new stats. It Could be a Megs pass. Coming yeah. to the coming it, to score soon.
3: Or if it hits the goal.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah what, what if you score has anyone ever scored with a nutmeg well yeah, yeah obviously yeah, they put the like like goalkeeper's nutmeg.
3: legs all the time mate
1: but, are you but not just like hitting the ball when it goes through someone's leg but I mean like an
3: intentional Yeah, I think, nutmeg collecting on the other side well, uh, oh right yeah yeah no there's definitely one where um, I mean I think Thierry Henry didn't he put it under the goalkeeper so it's sort of there's definitely a nutmeg yeah definitely 100% if there's a nutmeg
1: goal send me a nutmeg goal because that would be a joyous thing to watch love a good mix um, Deli Alli then winning it's what a no-brainer. Uh, no-brainer? I question that. What
2: yeah. about Paul? old yeah, Harry Kane that one Hurricane Harry Kane, as Hurricane, well, Harry Kane yeah. 24 Premier League goals, carrying this Tottenham team like the, the Hurricane that he is. Um, I just no, feel I that if, so, he's category, mean, if he's in the category, if he's in the category, he's got to beat him. I think
1: you're right in terms of the impact that Harry Kane's had, but I think you've got to judge it also on intangibles,
0: that being Deli Alli's <laughs>
1: first... You no, know, this is Deli Ali's first season in the Premier League, and I think that's part of why he's got that award because of the impact, because of the that's very tangible. The way to he's see, in his debut season. <laughs> no, but in terms of it's no, you can't boil that down to stats. It's more uh, look at how well this guy is performing. He's taken the Premier League by storm. That's why he's won it. As opposed to Harry Kane, who is an incredible player, won it last year. Um, now he should have won it again. Term this is the season. issue with the awards
2: right yeah. the yeah. age issue age issue should be under 21 first you know
1: we're going to do the bloody front three awards at the end of the season and well, we're going to bloody have our young bloody, we're going to do it at the right time aren't we
2: that's it right. yeah exactly yeah. fucking smashed worst it player. worst player come on funniest player no, I, I don't like worst funniest player funniest looking what,
3: what, funniest looking yeah Adam I do
2: Ooh. that's a
1: silly joke cause I'm not a professional football player so why would I be in the awards very good point very good
3: point yeah uh, I'm, I'm still that note. <laughs> I'm still searching goalkeeper <laughs> nutmegs um, apparently Rob Green was embarrassed by uh, a ball boy at some point um, and a Brisbane Raw goalie that Jamie right. Young somehow manages to sorry the headline cuts off there um <laughs> and then there's then there's a number of uh, goalkeepers who have they've not been nutmegged, but it's gone through their legs, you know where they look to collect it and then they sort of almost nutmeg themselves right. from their arms. Um that looks really pathetic because they look a bit like almost like you know dogs who have lost a ball at that point. So there is a lot of there's a lot of bad things happening with balls going through legs.
1: There is indeed.
3: yeah. And and I, I believe note- that summarizes the year of what we've done really. There's a really does, good shot of yeah. Robin Van Persie yeah. putting it through Fraser Forster's legs during the season well, I think United won the title when they won 2-1 against Southampton
2: and he scored wasn't, twice. Well, was that the 20th what? league title, Lawrence? Uh,
3: yes, it was actually, Dave, yeah. yeah.
2: Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, mate.
3: Um, and then obviously we've got to mention uh, was it James Milner getting megged by Messi? <laughs> oh, Messi! Um, didn't, <laughs> My favourite megged of all time. Didn't Messi actually My try nut? Wasn't that the whole point of that was that he was trying to nutmeg everyone on the pitch? <laughs> oh yeah, without doubt, yeah. he numbered at least three yeah.
1: people in that match. It was absolutely fantastic. I think
3: there, what that, someone it. got angry with him because apparently he was trying to nutmeg absolutely everyone. Um, it was just, it was just Guardiola's
1: reaction. Guardiola's reaction was just made it. It was absolutely unbelievable.
3: Yeah, it was, um, I, I, I imagine if he was his manager, it would have been different. But yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so guys, uh, by the way, Suarez, in Suarez, in Suarez in is a. Uh, we're not done yet, Adam. Suarez we're is a. Uh, Suarez is a. Fiend, Suarez is a fiend for a sideways nutmeg. I've just been looking it up and there's there's a lovely shot of him against David Luiz. And what he's good at is putting it through a player's leg as they're running. So, you know, very often you get like a player, a defender who's got his feet wrong. Suarez is very good at nutmegging players when the player looks as if they've got their feet right. He gets the ball really close mm. to them and then puts it sort of between their running legs. It's very satisfying. Mm. Mm. Yes, it is. Give us your favourite nutmegs hashtag I am the whole tell us two things your favourite nutmeg and your favourite moment of the podcast over the past year thank you
2: ooh
3: I bloody love it they might end
1: up Guys, in a little compilations that brings an end to this q and podcast birthday podcast thank you so much for listening birthday. the first birthday of the front three thanks for sticking with us for a year stick with us for another year because we're going to get bigger and better I promise you that more podcasts YouTube videos Meetups, that one at the end of the season. Banter, prizes, prizes, prizes. banter. Birthday, say, say another word, Lawrence. Say a word. Um, analysis. Yes, mm. Dave. Say another word. Cheese. Good. Excellent. Excellent work, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Do get in your questions, your thoughts, your comments, your deep philosophical burning questions to out the front free on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, Lawrence. Where can the good people? Where can the whole? Find your thoughts and your musings in less than 140 40 characters.
3: Uh, lost cast L O Z C A S T. Dave, where can people go and find Ooh. you? Uh,
2: go on to Twitter, search bar L O Z C A S T. Hang that follow.
3: <laughs> yeah, give it a follow because Dave's been very yeah. charitable there.
1: Yeah, um, do go and follow L O Z C A S T also come and check out the Football Republic on YouTube. Myself, Dave over there and Lawrence over here. We are going to be doing a live stream during Tuesday night's Champions League semi-final between Manchester City and Real Madrid. Come and join in the fun there. You don't want to watch it on BT. It's shit. Come and watch it with us. It's so much more fun. You can dual screen but it. then. Yeah. Until then... Maybe Tuesday we'll see you. If not, we'll see you on Wednesday for another bloody podcast. Until then, enjoy (laughs) yourselves and have fun. Bye. Happy birthday to...
2: To
3: wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Happy Happy birthday birthday
1: to to us. us!